Church, let's open the Word. Let's open the Word of God. We're in Exodus today. Exodus chapter 24. We'll be looking at the whole chapter. And then we'll pause after today. We'll be at a, a pausing point, a stopping point, temporary stopping point in the book of Exodus. We'll come back and finish up this story at a later date. But Looking at Exodus chapter 24 today, where this relationship between God and His rescued people uh, is confirmed. It's agreed to, agreed upon by the Lord and by His rescued people. You know, too often I think we see church as a place to go in order to learn. Maybe a place to take our kids so they learn right and wrong Uh, perhaps good moral principles to live by. And of course, we hope and pray that this this is true. But our gatherings are meant, friends, to be much more than that. We gather week after week. We we gather on Sundays to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We gather, friends, to meet with God. We gather to to meet with God. We, We gather to celebrate our relationship with the one we just sung about and to. Gather to celebrate a relationship with the Almighty God. Do you have a relationship with God? A right relationship with the great I Am. This God, the Almighty, Majestic, and Only One, friends, invites us to know Him and to worship Him. And as we open His Word this morning, we're going to see that through the blood of the covenant, God invites us to know and worship Him. Through the blood of the covenant, God invites us to know Him and to worship Him. That's the truth we'll see from the Scriptures today. So let me invite you to hear it with me, to look at the Word with me. Exodus chapter 24. Let me invite you uh, to join me standing out of reverence for uh, the one whose Word it is that I'm reading. Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 through 18. Let's hear the Word of The Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. 
But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Father, we pray that you would guide us now in the presence and power of your Spirit among your people, residing in your people. Guide us to the truth that we might know and follow you and respond with worship and obedience. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, indeed, church, indeed, Meadowbrook, we are here this morning. We are gathered together in this place. We are uniting together today in order to worship. And the Lord calls His people... To worship Him with reverence. The Lord calls His people to to worship Him with reverence. Did you notice that in the text? Moses, Aaron, Aaron's two sons and the elders are called to worship the Lord. But only to do so from a distance. You may remember back a few chapters ago as we have been reading through this story that we saw something similar in Exodus chapter 19 where these representative leaders are invited to worship the Lord but to do so with reverence and awe, not running too quickly into the presence of God. You see, God's holiness, His set-apartness, His incomparableness, His holiness precludes sinners from barging into His presence. We must not enter the throne of God too flippantly, for our sin stands in the way of fellowship with God. The Lord deserves worship. We were made to worship Him, but we must worship in ways that are fitting for the one that we worship. The Lord calls His people to worship Him with reverence, so hear God's call to know and worship Him. Hear God's call. Hear His invitation. Hear His call to to know Him and to worship Him. As you read the Bible, as, as we gather, as we read His Word, as we open His Word, listen for God's invitation for people to know and worship Him. God wants to be known by those He has made. And here God says to Moses and the people, Come up to the Lord, come up to me and worship. Call us to know and worship the living God. The one who fashioned Adam from the dust of the earth. The one who spared Noah from the the flood. the, The one who called Abram to leave his homeland. And the one who heard the cries of the Israelite slaves and came to deliver them, to rescue them. Here God is inviting Moses, he's inviting Israel's leaders and the people to hear from him, to see his glory and to respond with adoration and with obedience. By the way, church, I I know you know this, but this is the same God we worship. The same one that we sing to today. The same one that we lay our lives before. The same one who speaks to us today 
through his word. This is why David begins our time each each Sunday with, with a call to worship from the scriptures, an invitation from God to engage him in worship. A call to know Him by hearing from Him through His Word. And a call to worship Him by responding to Him with adoration and obedience. The Lord calls His people to worship Him with reverence. Reverence because of who He is. Who is He? Who is He? Well, He's the High King. The High King of Heaven. He is the most... High God, He is the Sovereign One. He is the Almighty and Everlasting Maker of heaven and earth. We owe our very lives to Him. But instead, we have rebelled against Him. We've turned from Him. This is what the Bible teaches. Every single one of us has done this. And even so, incredibly, this God invites us To know Him. Do you know Him? The Holy God invites sinners into relationship with Him. This one. This one who makes the mountains tremble. This great I am. The one who said, I am who I am. The one who just is, always has been, is today and always will be. This one invites sinners who have rebelled against Him into relationship with Him. That's what's going on here in verses 3 through 8. An invitation for these folks, Moses, Aaron, the leaders, and all the people to be in covenant relationship with Yahweh, with the Lord. And to say that it's a covenant relationship is to say that it's a binding agreement. And because God is God and because He is the one who initiates the relationship... He sets the parameters and expectations for the relationship. And so we're invited to hear the terms of the relationship. Hear the terms of the relationship. This comes through hearing the Word, the Word of God. God has spoken and He expects His people to listen to His voice. And not only to listen, not only to hear audibly, but to obey. Verse 3, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Is that not just beautiful? I feel like the organ should start playing and the orchestra should come together, the people together, hearing the word of God and saying, we'll do it. We'll respond with, with obedience. In other words, Moses verbally recounts the Ten Commandments and all of the laws that followed that we've been looking at over the last number of weeks concerning slavery and property and restitution and social justice and the Sabbath and the festivals. The people hear God's terms of the relationship and they respond with, we'll do it all. We'll obey. So verse 4, Moses then writes it all down and then he rereads what God has said to the people. And you thought, my sermons were long. You, you haven't seen anything yet. Here, they get a double dose. Moses tells them. They say, we'll do it. He writes it down. He reads it again. And they respond again. We will obey. It sort of reminds me, just the other day, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, was going Saturday evening to preach in the uh, at the Jimmy Hale Mission as part of their chapel service there that we're a number of folks in our church are part of from uh, every month, and uh, my my middle child, uh, my son, 
uh, sometimes goes with me, and uh, he expressed some interest in going that evening. I said, okay, uh, Paxton, I said, um, I would love for you to go, but you know, if you go, you're going to listen to Daddy preach tonight, and you're also going to listen to him preach tomorrow morning. Is that something you want to do? And he kindly, politely checked out said, you know, I think I'll listen to Daddy tomorrow. Verse 7, Moses takes the book of the covenant, he takes the word, and he reads it to the people. And the people respond again, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Now, if you've been married, are married, or ever been to a wedding, then you sort of understand what's happening here because at your wedding or at a wedding, bride and the groom are asked to declare their intent. So the officiant says something like, hey, Austin, Laura, Catherine, Austin, begin with you, Austin, and taking the woman you hold by the hand, do you promise to love and cherish her and to hold only unto her so long as you both shall live? And he responded and said, I I do, I will. Declaring his intent. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the ceremony. They go on and exchange vows. And Austin then repeated, I assume, after the officiant, I, Austin, take you, Laura Catherine, to be my wedded wife, to love and to hold, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. Promising a commitment of faithfulness. In the relationship, and likewise here, the people declare their intent. They hear the word of God and they declare their intent to obey. And then they hear it again and they promise to obey. They express their commitment to the Lord. Christian, when you hear the word of God, are you determined to obey him? Are you resolved to obey the Lord God Almighty, no matter the circumstances, by the grace of and for the glory of God, are we, church, ready to respond to our almighty and gracious master with we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Church, let's sign up for that response. Let's sign up for that kind of commitment, that kind of worship and faithfulness and devotion to God. Let's be known for that kind of open-handed commitment to Jesus. Let's be known as a family of faith, a family of believers here in Birmingham, not simply just for being hearers of the Word, but for being doers of the Word. In Exodus, you see, Moses played a rather unique role serving as mediator between God and the people. We've seen this before. We see it throughout this journey toward the promised land. Like a priest, he represented the people before God and he spoke also on behalf of God to the people. He was chosen to to fulfill this particular role, to to mediate between the holy God and a sinful people. Likewise, church, we, we too need a mediator. We need a mediator. Since our sin separates, we, we need someone who can approach the Lord on our behalf. We need someone who can represent us before the Holy God. Someone who can stand in the gap for us. 
See, this Exodus story that is so good and so rich is preparation for and part of a grander story, another story. This, this book of the covenant in this middle portion of Exodus anticipates another better covenant, a story and a covenant that centers on the God-man. Do you know the God-man? Jesus the Christ, who is the perfect and permanent mediator between God and sinners. He is the only one who can both fully identify with us as a man, yet without sin. And at the same time, fully identify with God as the fullness of God in human flesh. So fellow sinners, fellow lawbreakers, when we consider the invitation to be in relationship with God, we must approach Him, we must approach God through Jesus, the mediator. We're invited, called, commanded, beckoned to approach God, the only God, through Jesus the mediator. He is the way and the only way for sinners like you and I to be in relationship with God. The Apostle Paul states it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. See, as the mediator for the rescued Israelites, Moses proceeds to build an altar and to offer sacrifice. Animals spilled their blood in place of human sinners. Ever since the fall, the shedding of blood has provided the basis for mankind's relationship with God. In fact, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And here in this chapter, two kinds of animal sacrifices are mentioned, burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Burnt offerings were burnt up, were burnt to a crisp, totally consumed by fire as a fragrant offering rising up to God. But fellowship offerings, as we noted before, were a bit different. They were celebrating the peace the forgiven have with their God. The meat was grilled, the blood was drained, and the animal was consumed by the worshipers. So now in this text, I'm sure you caught this in a rather strange sounding, looking, hearing covenant ceremony. Moses takes the blood and he splashes half of it against the altar. This is God's blood signifying his part in the covenant relationship. Then he takes the other half and he puts it in bowls and he begins then to Uh, to, to splash it, to sprinkle it on the people, signifying that they are the beneficiaries of the shed blood that is provided by the sacrifice. Once again, the animal takes the place of the sinner, and the Lord pardons the guilty. Temporarily. Temporarily. That is, until a pure, more permanent sacrifice could be offered in place of human sinners. Church, through the blood of the covenant, God invites us to know and worship Him. We're invited to know and worship the living God through the blood of the covenant. Not this blood that we read about here, not the Mosaic covenant we read about in Exodus 24, but another new covenant, a better covenant. This time, it's not the blood of animals, but the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul says, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Fully familiar with and intentionally alluding to the chapter that we're looking at today in Exodus 
Exodus chapter 24, verse 8. Jesus, aware of that text, tells his followers that the blood of the cup that he's providing to them, that he's giving to them, that he's offering them at the Last Supper is his blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Friend, poured out for you. Poured out for me. Poured out for any and all whosoever will turn to him in faith, receiving forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. So friends, receive forgiveness through Christ's blood shed for you. Receive forgiveness. Full forgiveness and lasting forgiveness. Receive forgiveness before the Most High Holy God, the great I am, receive forgiveness through Christ's blood shed in your place, shed for you through the blood of Christ. The Holy God invites sinners into relationship with Him. Are you in relationship with Him? Are you in right relationship with Him? Have you been pardoned? Have you been forgiven? Because you trusted in the provision of Jesus and have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb the blood of the covenant, God invites us to know Him and to worship Him, to be forgiven by His grace through faith in Jesus. Friends, I'm not simply talking about a status or a religious expression or affiliation, but I'm talking about a relationship. Why is forgiveness such a big deal? Well, here's why. Because God fellowships with the forgiven. He fellowships with the forgiven. Friends, we're here today to fellowship. We see a picture of fellowship in the second portion of this chapter. We're here today to fellowship. Yes, to to fellowship with one another as best as we're able to in 2020 with social distancing and masks and all the other annoying and disrupting COVID precautions and parameters in place. But friends, we're not just here to fellowship with one another. We're here to fellowship with God. With the one who hears us perfectly and sees us fully and knows us deeply and yet loves us unconditionally. Friends, God fellowships with the forgiven. Fellowships with the forgiven, inviting the forgiven to the banquet table to to feast with him. To celebrate him and to know him, to be in relationship with him. In this chapter in Exodus 24, it wasn't about social distancing, but it was about sin distancing. No guilty sinners too close to the holy and righteous one. You are to worship at a distance, God said. But church, through the blood of the new covenant, there is no longer a sin distance. Sure, we we, we believers continue to wrestle with sin. We all do. Still succumb to the ways of the flesh. We still battle against our sin nature. But our guilt has been washed away, praise God. He no longer calls us to know and to worship Him at a distance, but He invites us to draw near to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so the Word says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, believers, therefore, church, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that is, where the presence of God is, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, His body, His body, Christ's body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that is Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Because the blood of our Savior covers us and cleanses us, may we fully enjoy the privilege of being God's people, 
of being His. May we, like Moses, approach the Lord as ones who have been reconciled to Him. Believer, draw near to the Lord today and commune with Him. Commune with the Lord. Commune with God. Feast with God. Fellowship with, with, with God. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, He said, Here I am. Stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Are you feasting with God? Are you communing with Him? Friend, are you spending sweet time with the Lord? If not, you can. You can. You can run to Him today by trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ to save you. If you've never been in a right relationship with Him, if you've never begun a a right relationship with Him by grace through faith, you can start today. Perhaps you have before, but you've been running from Him. You can return to Him today. You can return to Him now, even now, right now. See, our text ends with Moses going up on the mountain to meet with the Lord. It stays for a while. He goes and meets with God, and then he's going to come back down, and he's planning to come back down and then to lead the people into faithfulness, into obedience. He's planning to lead them as God has called him into the promised land. You know, our mediator... He's also gone up to be with the Father. He's gone up to rule on the throne. He's gone up to live in perfect harmony with the only God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He too has promised to come back. He's planning to come back when the Lord says it's time to come back and to take us, His people, His church, His bride, into the greater promised land. And in this story, in Exodus, the people, the elders, have this vision of God. They don't see the fullness of God. We learn later in Exodus, no one can see God and live. No one can see His face and live. They probably are bowing down before Him, and they get a glimpse of Him. They get a glimpse of His glory, of His presence. But not all the people see Him, not in this way. But one day... Christ the King and Mediator, our Savior, is going to return and every eye will see Him. Everyone will acknowledge Him. And as believers who've been reconciled to God through Jesus, our Savior, we ought to long for that day. May we eagerly anticipate His return and the wedding supper of the Lamb. May we long for the return of Jesus, our Savior. May we want more and more of Him. May we commune with Him now, even as we participate in our gatherings and communion in the Lord's Supper. We celebrate a right relationship with God, but it's only a glimpse. It's only a foretaste. It's only anticipatory of what we will celebrate with Him forever and ever in His presence. May we eagerly anticipate His return and the wedding supper of the Lamb. May we long to feast with God. Do you long to feast with God? Father, may we, may we long for more of You. May we anticipate our Lord's return. May we run after you. May we trust you. Father, may we seek your face even now. Lord, may we declare the riches of your grace and may we respond as your people did here in 
praise, adoration, and obedience. Father, I pray that even now as we declare our faith, as we sing to you, pray that we would do so in a way that exalts your name. And Father, I pray that any among us, Lord, that do not know you, that are not in right relationship with you, that right now, that today would be the day, right now would be the time that they turn from sin and trust in Jesus, the pure and perfect, permanent sacrifice in place of sinners. And Father, I pray for every one of us, Lord, that right now we would respond to you with obedience. Guide us in that way. Guide us in the truth. Stir our hearts to worship. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.